Welcome to Conversations on Coast Access Radio. In this program we have conversations with people about their interests, their lives, the things that motivate and excite them. So relax and enjoy this conversation. This program is also heard in the Hawke's Bay on Radio Kidnappers. This week, Nigel Hopkins spoke with Tim Costley, National Party representative for the Kapiti Hordafenua region. Nigel asked Tim about Kapiti Coast Airport, also his thoughts on the National Party leadership change, and Three Waters. We've got a very important guest in the studio this morning, Otaki National Electorate Chairman. It's Tim Costley, because he's also a wing commander, I believe, or up to that rank, flying planes up at the Ohakia uh, Air Base. Good morning, Tim. Welcome to the program. You better, better clarify that. Have I got it? something right, wing commander? Yeah, that's right. Oh, good. I, I, try, I try and keep that and the politics separate, but they're both correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. it's just nice to know your background. Yeah. Of course, you were in the Air Force, and then you stepped out for a wee while to take That's up right. the... 21 years now I've been there. 21. So, yeah. yeah, good. Fantastic. And flying's going well. As I say, it's... when I hear an Air Force plane going over, they've got their allocation of petrol. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And <laughs> yeah. I spend more time in the um, office looking after people than I yeah. do flying. But I still get flying um, yes. a couple of times a week, and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and good. It's, uh, that was you flying around here in Waikanae the other yeah, day. Yeah, well, we've been doing a lot of training we down in, in Nelson Way and in, in here as well. Oh, right. So it's um, uh, yeah, I've been I've, I've certainly been over over the area as mm. have a number of others uh, Good. recently. Now, what we got you in for is to find out if you know uh, or have the background, further information on the Kapiti Airport. Is that that being um, available to the public yet, or what's going to happen to yeah, it? Yeah, I'd love to come in here with something concrete. So some some of you know your listeners might have. Um, attended the Kapiti Business Breakfast where there was one first where we presented our vision, kapitiairurban.co.nz. We pre- pre- you know, presented our vision for what that airport could be, mixed use with still the runway, uh, but some residential, some commercial, you know, various developments around the edges to make it, you know, to really strengthen the financial viability of it, but also strengthen the community asset. And the following month, they, they, um, came to present at one. It was called Ask Us Anything. Um, but they weren't willing to get uh, to share their vision yet. They alluded to the fact that it was sort of a 20-year vision, but they're not willing to share that publicly. So for now, you know, given that this started with the airport, their plan to close it on the 10th of September 2020, and we're now 15 months on, so we've we've definitely achieved um, an interim stay of execution. We've saved it for now. We'll get a few years out of it. Um, and, and look, I really want to work with, with the owners, uh, on the long term, those, those bits where we really share a vision. The, the bit that's in dispute is, do we keep the runway or not? And of course, we, we think we should. Um, for civil defense, for resilience, for the life flights, medical support. But, um, yeah, that seems to be the point of conflict. But I think there's some common ground we could work from. We just need them to come out and say what their vision actually is and to be willing to right. share it. Now, who is the owners of the airport at the moment? Templeton oh, Group, yes, yep. who are also NZ Prop mm. Company, which is then have these various companies in New Zealand and offshore that have invested in it. Mm. So it's so is there complete. interest in aviation or not? No. No, look, they're property developers. Right. So it shouldn't be a surprise that they might just want to develop it and turn it into sections. But, of course, it also shouldn't be a pr- surprise that when they bought it, it was owned as an airport. It still is owned as an airport. And we are saying we shouldn't change that zoning for the core airport land, right. for that runway and that operational area. So do the we have some say in this still? 
I mean, Templeton, do they own it outright or? Templeton do own it outright. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, our, our vision and our plan is really about including mana whenua and, and supporting the iwi. There are different voices within, um, iwi. Some are louder than others. Some, some are aligned with different groups. Um, we think that's an important aspect of it. Um, despite, you know, reports that we've heard about settlements that the previous owner, Noel Robinson, made, um, we still think there's a really important conversation there. Mm. But we think that actually that the vision that we're offering really aligns with their vision of retaining that land. Right. So you've had discussions with the Cabinet Coast District Council on what their thoughts are currently, or have they stepped back? Because they put a lot of money into it for a while there to get Air Chathams to come in, didn't they? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And... Um, you know, the chief executive's been fantastic. The mayor's been really supportive. It was a part of the long-term plan. I went and submitted to that long-term plan, along with other things like trying to keep the recycling centre at Waikanae. Madness, but anyway. Uh, so um, uh, council have come out and said, well, we think we should maybe be involved somehow. What, what, what I'd love to see is them actually come out, individual councillors and those that are going to contend for me next time, come out and tell us, what will you do as mayor? What will you do as councillor? Are right. you actually going to support retaining the airport or not? There'll be a range of views because I know that a number of councillors have been um, not willing to support the airport and I know that a number have been uh, tied to the airport owners in different ways shall we say, um, and and I think we need to have some transparency before the council elections next year so people know what they'll get based on who they vote so for. So they're sitting on the fence, not prepared to say yes or no or what we favour or yeah, how we look, could develop it. Some have it. been outwardly more focused on the, the upfront financial benefit to um, a smaller group rather than the community right. benefit of retaining it. Oh, when you think about it, I mean, Kapiti is booming at the moment. Yeah. Is that airport going to be able to sufficiently cater for the the, the increase in population? Because there'd be a lot of businesses coming this way, a lot of business people who will use the airport. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it does have the potential. You know, you've had Dwayne, who's the CEO up at Air Chathams, um, uh, Dwayne Emini, and he has said, you know, they support it. They can, despite what the airport owners have said, they could bring their ATR on, but they get the, the current Saab aircraft in. Uh, it's been one of the best performing routes since the initial COVID lockdown. I think there's plenty of growth space sounds there, bringing electric aircraft as well to get us across the channel. We shouldn't forget that. That's really important. They've started that, haven't they? Or they did a trial, I Oh, there say. was a trial. But that, yes. Yeah, that was electric air. I flew that aeroplane, actually. Oh, right. Fantastic. But it, um, that's, uh, that's, not owned, that's not the one that sounds air will bring in right. and it's not owned by them. But yeah, but, but it's been operating out of, right. out of Kapiti here as well. So there's plenty of, um, plenty of, uh, growth opportunity for the airport. But the other thing I should point out is when council did their review of greenfield sites and how many houses could they build with the land that's available now, it's more than 20,000. It is, uh, sorry, it's more than 2,000. It's more than what you could put on that airport. Hmm. So actually, if your argument is we need room for 2,000 houses, the land's already there. The builders aren't. The investment in infrastructure and property and all of those things that I'd argue government could have done better the last four years, isn't there. But the land is actually there. It's not the land that we're short of. That's not what's holding us back from building more houses locally. Mm. So having a, a runway so close to housing, though, is that compatible? Oh, look at Wellington. I mean, it literally flies on the the runway, international runway, large jet aircraft, flying between these steep hillsides covered with houses. 
planes don't fall out of the sky just after takeoff or, or, or as they're coming mm. into land. You know, you, when was the last time you heard of a, uh, someone going into the harbour at Auckland runway? It, it doesn't happen. Right. And on the approach to, to runway 23 to Auckland, the other one, it comes in over houses, it comes in over commercial. There haven't been any incidences that you'll, mm. you'll find, um, from that. So I don't think that's actually a concern. Maybe 60 years ago that would have been a concern, but that's not, um, that's not the biggest killer. Yeah. I'm just thinking, though, people who buy houses there, they've got to realise that there is a runway there. What about the oh, local training, local flying school, um, you know, Cavity Aero Club? Well, the Aero Club. I mean, that's there. pretty important, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it is. It's a smaller group. I don't think that in isolation is enough to try and save the airport. No. I'm not doing this um, for the 200 members of the club, much as I want to support them. I'm doing it for the 60,000 people that live here, that one mm. day when the when the big one hits and we're cut off, will want it. When their family are in trouble and they need a life flight to come in and pick them up because Wellington Airport's closed, they'll want that airport. And, and that's what really drives me. It's, the, it's helping the wider community. Mm. I heard one councillor say we don't need it because we've got Transmission Gully now. We can get to Wellington quicker, but is that well, a, a, an argument? Well, you'll get to Johnsonville quicker. Yes. Good luck from there. <laughs> Yes. Um, getting through to the airport. Yeah. In fact, I think it's the opposite. People from Johnsonville will probably get up to Capita Airport to jump on a plane quicker than they'll get driving through Russia and Wellington right. from, from when I lived there. And, um, and, and it's cheaper parking here. Uh, why wouldn't you want to come up here to the beautiful Kapiti Coast instead of battling your way through Russia and into Wellington? So we're we going to get Air New Zealand to come back again, or was that right out of the uh, realm of possibility? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they're coming back in the short term. You, you know, they did a really intentional deal with Chathams to bring Chathams in. Yes. They actually led a lot of that support for Chathams, and, and it was a, it was a, um, a mutual arrangement between New Zealand and Chathams to come and do that. Look, I'd, I'd love to have you New Zealand here as well. I mean, mm. who wouldn't? Um, but, but I don't think that's happening until we really see that growth start to kick off. It's just been unfortunate timing that with COVID and lockdowns yes, and things, we've seen. We started off with a flight to Christchurch years ago, and that got cut out. Could we sort of look at that as being another possibility of keeping the runway? Because a lot of people want to travel south. They just don't want to go yeah. to Auckland. And, and that's where Sounds Air do a great job with flights to the top of the South Island. But I think there's a real growth opportunity looking at Christchurch. Um, I absolutely think that's something that we should be looking at flights uh, heading heading that way. And I think it's important when you think about more broadly about Wellington, about resilience, about, you know, Wellington has limited capacity. I've, I've tried to do training flights into there and at peak times of day, you just can't get in. They're full up. So having uh, another airport in the Wellington region that can support those flights, the same the same reasons they talk about having another airport in the Auckland region for domestic flights. I actually think that's a real opportunity mm. for, for us and for, to support local business and local residents. So if this Cavity runway is closed down, is there an opportunity to build another one close by? I mean, once uh, upon a time, and uh, I, yeah. I used to talk about it on radio, we were going to have one up at Marycrest, you know, the old Marycrest? Yeah, up right by Tahoe. Uh, because yeah. that was an ideal spot and have light rail through. Yeah. Um, is that not on the boards at all? Nobody thought about it? I, I just don't see, I mean, look at, Particularly over the last few years, you know, I drive every day the road between here and Levin, heading to work. Look how hard the government have made that road look. We've seen no progress in the last four years. We see continual deaths on that road. It's absolutely tragic, and it's tragic because it's predictable. But New Zealand hasn't done infrastructure well. Uh, we need to change and we need to improve that, and that's a key motivation for me wanting to get into politics. But to, to take on building a new airport 
you know, too costly. It's huge. Look, at, I mean, look at Berlin. They tried to build a new airport, and it's this massive paperweight that sits there. Mm. I think we have to be smart at using what we already have, and look at that new land up around Tohoro. Let's build a new town. Let's envisage what a new community there could look like. With a uh, maybe there's another school, uh, maybe there's a, a shops, maybe there's a medical facility. You know, let's if we've got a greenfield site, let's develop that and build something from scratch mm. that we want and that people will. Of course, another argument I heard too was, well, Wellington runways are going to be extended. I mean, there's plenty of argument about that. Why do we need this Kapiti Airport? Because they're going to be able to cater for all needs. Well, if it gets extended, it's getting extended for large international aircraft. Mm. That, that's not our game here in Kapiti. We're about life flight. We're about emergency civil defence flights. We're about um, domestic transits for smaller aircraft, but to more destinations. Right. So we've got all the runway we need here. If Wellington want to extend, I actually think the way international aviation is heading, we'll see more uh, more efficient aircraft, more aircraft, but smaller right. aircraft. The A380 days are over. So to end this little interview part of the Kapiti Airport, sure. uh, what stage are we up to at this point? Because a lot of people say, oh, it's gone quiet. Nobody knows what's going on. Where are we at? Well, we, um, we have achieved goal number one. We have stopped the airport being closed in the short term, and, and it's still functioning on the 15th of December. Uh, Air Chatham start flying again. We've got Sounds Air flying here. So those services, we've had what a few life flights in over the last week or two. So that all the things that we've said we need this airport for are still happening. So that's great. The, the next key step will be when the airport owners, if they are, when will they be willing to come and share what their actual vision is and their plan so that we can have an open and an honest and a transparent discussion and see how that fits with uh, our community's long-term plan for that land. Um, and that will be the point at which they have to say, actually, they want to get it rezoned away from an airport to residential so they can chop it up and mm. send, send money to their owners off, offshore. Great. Oh, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll you don't know if there's crossed. any meetings or anything coming up shortly about it. It'll no, but the new... best thing people can do is stay in touch, head to capityairurban.co.nz or the Facebook page, Capity Air Urban, and uh, stay connected. We, we'd love all the support, contacts, uh, donations, anything that, that that can help people engage. And early in the new year, I think we'll see a, a public meeting to maybe um, uh, bring the community together sure. again. Well, thanks on that one. Now, of course, uh, you've got a new leader of the your national party, Mr. Luxon, L-U-X-O-N. Yeah. A lot of people have been saying Luxton, but L-U-X-O-N. Yeah. Uh, and a refreshing um, face it is. And what's your thoughts on the new team? Oh, it's, I mean, it's fantastic, right? It's uh, it's it's a it's a clean break. It's a fresh start. It's uh, I've I've had a lot to do with. Well, I've known Chris Luxon since uh, we were both selected a week apart in no- November two thousand and nineteen. Um, we've stayed in touch regularly. I've had a lot to do with Nicola. She's often up here um, visiting us. She's she's fantastic as well. She's great with the kids, having four of her own. Um, but she's just a smart woman that switched on to the issues that really matter. She's done great stuff in the housing space uh, this year uh, as well as over the last couple. And I think the two of them as a team, and, and you'll see the team getting built around them, Simon Bridges with finance, but I think you'll see more names coming out and, and the kind of people that I've had active in this area, you know, the Chris Bishop, Erica Stanford's of the world. Um, I think we're going to see a really strong and formidable team that is ready to um, take the lead as the next government right. in 
two years. Simon Bridges, um, was that an unexpected appointment? As a no, I don't think so. He was. He's a clever. Um, yeah, he's like he's a smart. He's a smart guy. He's yeah. a great operator. He's he's got a little bit of fight in him, which we yeah. need to hold. This. I'm just thinking of the financial side of it. I presume uh, as a leader, oh he yeah, must look, have had and, some... and a lot of experience, a lot of time in. Um, in cabinet learning from the likes of Sir Bill English oh. and, and, and you'll see that we want to take that social investment approach that, that Bill really pioneered and continue that. It's it's what New Zealand needs. It needs some smart thinking in that space and I think you're saying we've absolutely got the team around right. the table to do We're that. We're going to hear the rest of the team on Monday, aren't we? I think it's going to be divulged then. We are, yep. Yeah. And and I don't have a lot of inside uh, tips to give you, but <laughs> start your sweepstakes now. Yes, yeah, fair enough too. Uh, well, they've got the um, background to be able to put in the right people there, which will be an opposition. I'm not saying you know anything against Labour, but I say you will have an opposition and I think the right people in the right uh, spots will make a difference. Yeah, and I think you're seeing the, the right pieces of the puzzle getting put together in the right order now, yeah. and, and that's going to be really important. And, and, and it's not just having people that can do the job in Parliament. It's who can actually, who do you believe will actually build that road to live in? Who will actually fix the, the housing crisis? Who will actually get more houses built? The education standards, which are appalling now for New Zealand, who can actually turn that around and deliver that on the ground? And look, the current government have been great at legislating, at making announcements and rules, locking the country down. But as we've seen over the last three months, it's really hard to open things up and actually deliver something tangible. And that's where I think, you know, Christopher Luxon and his team really stand out. And that, that's why I'm really confident about being part of that team for oh. the next election. So do you see yourself being more involved now that... Uh, I don't know if I can get much more involved <laughs> th than I am. I'm still running everything locally here, yes. and I'll be absolutely wanting to be the, the local candidate for the next election. Right. Um, do you think you might be able to get uh, Mr Luxon up here? March the 24th, and I'm hoping that I'll have uh, Nicola Willis up here before that in the new year as well. I just don't want to announce the date yet, no. but there's some. Th there'll be some great events, some great public uh, events that public can come to, uh, obviously lo stuff for the local members as well and if anyone would like to know about that they could uh, send me an email or head to my Facebook page or drop me a message. I'd love to connect them and make sure no one misses sure. out. You'd need a big hall. I would suggest South of the Theatre because the Waikanae Community Hall. Yes. Well, we, we had that one overflowing when Nicola yes. Willis was here yeah. in August. We had Levin overflowing when Simon Bridges was here. Um, you bring all of them up and, and we'll, we'll pack the place out. Yes, sure, fair enough. So look out for March. Now, just on one topic that I've been trying to follow is the Three Waters. Uh, where has that got at? Because a lot of councils are struggling to understand what it really means. I can see some positives in it, but I can see I can't understand the full thing. I've tried to read it and I can't understand it. And I think that's a pretty common response, Nigel. I think most people have read it. They've tried to understand. We want to understand, but it's so confusing. I mean, the minister, when she talks about it, so they've proposed this. They're going to effectively steal every council's assets say so that it's now half owned by government and half owned by the iwi. When you say all assets, you mean all water, water assets. assets yes. Water, yes, yes, so three water, so clean yep. water, sewage and, and, and storm, storm waste. Yep. Um, but isn't that a positive thing? Take the well, weight off well, the Well, if you local... look at somewhere like Wellington, where the assets are 100 years old, crumbling, falling to pieces, needs a lot of money invested, great. The New Zealand taxpayer will cover that. When you look at Kapiti, where there's not much that's older than 60 years, it's got 40 years, we've put a lot of money into it. We pay, I just last night paid my uh, individual water rate, um, and suddenly all that money that I've been investing as a local rate payer is gone, 
and I'm not going to get anything spent on me for 40 years. That just doesn't seem fair. That's not how we do things in New Zealand. And and the, and most councils, the vast majority, have said they don't support it because of that. The minister said, well, we're going to do it anyway. At first she said, we'll consult. We won't force it. Now they've said, oh, bad luck. We are doing it. We don't have another idea. Um, and uh, and the confusing thing is they're saying they're doing it because of scale of economy. Well, you can't you can't treat all your wastewater centrally in New Zealand. Every council will still have to run it. Um, they're saying it will create jobs, but a scale of economy implies there are less jobs. That's the efficiency. That's the one. So it's really confusing, and I think really poorly handled by by Labor. So would the capity ratepayers be um, funding? They yes. say the Wellington. Yeah, a hundred percent, we yeah. will be, and we'll be funding the 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 communities in the South Island that haven't invested. Right, and so will anyone else. And will we still have to pay our individual water rate, even though someone else is yeah. getting it for free, and we're probably paying for that? Maybe. Would it be fair though to say that water is the, the, one of the vital, most vital, even more vital than oil to keep the communities going? Absolutely. So it was taken over by the government. This one expense that a council doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, if you, if you trust this government to deliver it, I mean, have they delivered on their promise of light rail, a second harbour crossing, uh, more houses, 100,000 Kiwi-built homes, the new school at Waikanae that's going to be open in a year? I haven't seen that. The Levinter Otek Expressway, not one single bit of work done. There's nothing that you can go and see where there's a truck starting to dig anything. So if you actually believe that they can deliver that and they can do that in a way that costs people less and creates jobs and guarantees clean water standards, fantastic. But I just don't buy that, and oh. I don't know if many people actually do. See, they don't seem to – they're going to hold some uh, meetings or I don't know whether it's select committee meetings on the Three Waters next year. Uh, I may be wrong on that, but they seem to be pushing things through without too much uh, yeah, discussion uh, amongst, like, you'd think they'd involve the mayors more somehow. I'm not, I'm not sure how. Well, but. I think they thought that until they realised none, or almost none of the mayors supported it, and now they're like, oh, well, we're not going to do that. We've seen select committee processes skipped numerous times by this government under urgency, but it's not things related to COVID, it's other stuff that's getting pushed through under urgency, and it really concerns me that people don't get to have a voice. I'm not going to agree with everything, and that's okay, that's their prerogative, but we should follow a, a fair and transparent process, I think. I think if there are select committee hearings, they'll probably be a sham. I think the conclusion has been really clear. Labour are going to push this through no matter what. They're going to steal all our water assets. They're going to send us the bill for it. And no matter what we say at select committee, that, that's going to happen. So we'll still see some water in our rates in the bill. Well, I don't know. And if they could answer that, that would be a good step. Well, that's but a question either way, I was asking you know, uh, several people. And they we'll said, well, we don't know about this. No. And we'll be funding it as either through our taxes or our rates or right. our water levy. Yeah. But, but the money that's getting invested won't be coming into Kapiti in the next 40 years. I'd suggest most of it will be going to somewhere like uh, a Wellington or an Ashburton or a Havelock North. Mm. Tim, we thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, Tim Costley, the Otaki Electric National, uh, National Party Chairman here, and uh, I'm sure Tim will be organising to uh, arrange for the new leader, Chris Luxon, Absolutely. and uh, his deputy to come forward, and we'll be looking forward to hearing that announcement. Book your seats now. Thanks, Nigel. Merry Christmas to you and to everyone. Um, and look forward to catching up with everyone around the community. Here we are, Tim Costley. Interesting chat there. And um, if you want to get hold of Tim, do so. He most, he's most welcoming uh, to speak to anybody. 
about any subject. And, um, yes, we've got a lot on our plate here on the Cavity Coast, especially with the population boom, too, at the moment. You've been listening to Conversations on Coast Access Radio, a program where we talk with people about their lives, their passions, their interests. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.